When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today is Thursday, October 6th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman, episode 481, featuring the radio voice of the Celtics. Sean Grandy is powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today, use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. What's up, everyone? Welcome into a new edition of Celtics Beat. Adam Kaufman, Evan Valenti, and of course, as I always tease him, the longtime radio voice and sometimes TV voice of the yeah, Boston Celtics, the title John Grandy. Because it's <laughs> going to be, maybe it was the longtime radio voice, but it's the very short time, halftime TV voice or whatever we're calling it. So what is the, what is the thing Evan did where he crosses his fingers like I that? just do different things with my hands as I'm Italian, and I'm not quite sure what to do in the beginning. Instead of Sometimes just, he hits you with, with yeah, one of these. Yeah, you know little... what? If you do like that little wave, it seems like you're waving to like a little, you know, like your daughter. And like, oh, yeah, I'm just trying to like – sometimes Evan's flashing game arrow, signs like, I don't know. at the no, beginning like of every show. Yabu. Yeah, the dab. I well, I used to. I remember. Are you, you going to do the Shack Omega at the beginning of a show? Maybe I'll, when I run out of stuff to do. That's for sure. The the bow and arrow. I I remember it's a, collegiately. I think Jamal Murray in Kentucky started doing something yeah. like that. Um, because Jamal made a ton of threes back in you know he's making a ton of threes now. But when he was in college, he was just fun to watch as a standalone shooter. And every and every time he. would Put one in the entire bench mob of Kentucky would just be doing this the whole time. I just thought that was cool. <laughs> go crazy. Teach us how to Dougie. Go, go crazy. I don't know how to do that. Uh, that, that is, that's beyond my. You don't have enough room to do the gritty, do you? Sean, you're in a hotel room. Can you do I the gritty up yeah, there? I don't, what goes on in hotel rooms and whatever, <laughs> but yeah, I don't think, uh, well, if uh, if you're watching on YouTube, we uh, you're welcome. And if you're listening to the audio version of this show, we're off to just a, a terrible start. But that's okay, because you know what's <laughs> off to a really good start is the Joe Missoula era, guys. The Joe Missoula era, it's only two preseason games in, but we're off to uh, – I, I like what we've seen so far. you got a 43-point blowout preseason win with 40-plus assists and incredible ball movement and like 100 turnovers, but who cares? They still won by a ton. Then the second game, that probably would have been another blowout win, except he took all the starters out when they were up 18, 20 points, and then, you know, the the unit of guys who probably won't be around in a few days are, uh, you know, largely responsible responsible for letting that thing drift away and, and an overtime loss. But again, preseason wins, losses, it doesn't matter. It's all about development and and signs and indications. And what we've seen so far, just we'll go kind of bit by bit as we go on in the show, Sean, but sort of the 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 10,000 foot view, as, as you sometimes refer to, Jason Tatum looks rested. Jalen Brown looks all NBA. Sam Hauser looks like a real contributor as, as part of the rotation off the bench for this team, which, you know, I think to the surprise of almost everybody compared to what, you know, the, the summer chatter was around this team. Malcolm Brogdon is fitting in seamlessly. Blake Griffin hasn't appeared in a game yet, but already looks like a, you know, a real glue locker room guy uh you know grant williams has has added a a a dribble to his bag of tricks in a contract year Uh, you can go on and on boston looks ready to contend sean i i think they despite obviously the drama of recent weeks and the the change at head coach and all that is going on behind the scenes they don't look like they've skipped a beat from what we last saw in the nba finals no, you covered it. Good night, everybody. That's pretty yeah, much see you the later. preseason game. Show, guys. That was it. Thanks for checking in. We'll, we'll get into a deeper team. analysis of each of these issues as we continue. Don't forget but. to visit our advertisers. Uh, I thought, <laughs> Buy your T-shirt, Celtics beat. What I thought about Sunday is that I I think it mattered to have a have a game and have a game go well because it was very odd being in the building. Uh, I think in the two or three hours before the game on Sunday, because of everything that's happened the last couple of weeks. And there are so much familiarity and so many players coming back and so many broadcasters coming back and so many fans coming back, but there something significant has happened. So I think to have a, a game go well 
at a blowout game and how you can beat somebody by 40 when you have 28 turnovers is insanity. I don't even know how you statistically do that, but they did. Uh, I, I think it mattered the same way at the end of the year, in the middle of the year, who's going to care, right, that they won the first preseason game by 40? The same way nobody's going to care that Phoenix lost to the team from Australia in the first preseason game. But it's just like, <laughs> what, as the Celtics needed that, that's the last thing Phoenix needed coming off a of game seven loss, just from a, like, just feel good about life, let's move on standpoint. So I think that's why, that's the thing to me that mattered about Sunday. But everything you said is right, and it's just been a, that's a feel good. It's two preseason games, but all we have are two preseason games to talk about. And why wouldn't you feel good about Jalen Brown? I, I, the only thing I would feel bad about with Jalen Brown is if we see him again. I'm sure we will in Montreal, but uh, you know, to me, that's bubble wrap. Do not pass go. Mm-hmm. Don't collect to it. Go right to opening night and see his air because he looks great. And I think the issues that are going to the Celtics going to deal with here, which is obviously the lack of size, putting too much too many minutes on Al, you know, which is a concern for me in the first half of the year into the regular season, these are issues, but they're not issues right now. So enjoy watching, you know, Sam Hauser show that that's not a fluke. Everybody's been talking about his ability to shoot. By the way, nobody had heard of Duncan Robinson either. Mm. Right? And now he's oh. made 200 threes a year. Okay. Except it's for Williams college. That's it. That's all I got. Except, yeah. for, except for Evan and he's, dabbing and he's doing for one hour because yeah i heard of duncan robinson but nobody else had but evan will tell you about max struce too it is the pejorative by the way i mean how about you know max struce could fit on this roster too yeah um you know you have if like for this way i'll say the one the soundbite that i came up with last night late in the game was if sam hauser is going to require teams to defend him Mm. Celtics are going to be a problem (laughs) they're going to that is a problem for other teams, because you're that's adding something that you thought you were going to have with Gallinari that maybe you've had here all along. Yeah. Well, and that's what you know. We've spent so many shows in the off season and and in, and in talking about you know what do they need to do, and obviously the the excitement surrounding Danilo Gallinari, and then obviously he goes down in the FIBA World Cup qualifier, and it's oh my god, how do you replace him? Because obviously the Celtics felt that there was a need there, enough of a need to go out and spend the money and get the veteran and all of that. Well. If if you believed in Sam Hauser from the beginning, you don't go out and necessarily chase a Danilo Gallinari and give him the money that you did. So how do you go about replacing him? And so it was I, I feel like I've sort of spent a lot of the the you know summer here, summer months talking out of both sides of my mouth with with Sam Hauser in that, you know, part of me is sort of not taking him seriously as a prospect, a guy who can who can truly develop and be a not neglecting his ability to shoot. We saw it in Maine. We saw it in, in you know, fleeting moments in Boston. But it was, you know, can he be a reliable contributor? Can he be the microwave off the bench? Can he give you, you know, real rotation minutes? And as you just said, require guys to actually guard him. Can he matter? Can he be important? And and the answer was always. You know, probably not, which is why they're chasing X, Y, and Z or need to pursue, you know, X, Y, and Z. And now that we've seen it for a couple games and that I do believe it's so many others, it's not a fluke. His shooting ability is not a fluke. Well, now you start to wonder at least a little bit, not knowing the timeline of Gallinari, obviously, if his injury for the sake of development and having a, a younger player on this roster turn into something, if his injury was something of a, a blessing in disguise, or obviously at, at worst case for Hauser, a silver lining to show, hey, I belong, and this is what I can do for you. The reason you didn't believe it, because this doesn't happen in the NBA. We've heard of players from the time they were 16 years old. So you don't think of, with the exception of Evan Duncan Robinson, guys can sneak through the cracks the shooters can and be ready. And we kept here, you know, last year, late in the year, if you're around the Celtics at all last year, and around people in the organization, it was, hey, Sam Hauser is going to be a part of this team next year. Sam Hauser is going to be able to play. But that's more of a – it's like a college football thing. I remember doing Boston College football back in the late 90s, and you, you played Virginia Tech every year because it was a Big East team, and they were both in the same conference, and talking to the Virginia Tech people and them saying, hey, we got this kid here. He's not playing right now, but he's going to be a redshirt next year, and that met Michael Vick, and he's going to be a hmm. game changer. for." And it's, that's something – you hear these sort of mythical tales in – college football, maybe a first-year quarterback in the NFL that's going to be something eventually because you're hearing, you know, obviously Brady didn't play, uh, you know, his first year. So, you know, hey, yep. Evan, did you hear of Z- – did you know all about Zappy too? Did you, were you on no, that? I, I'm, I'm, I'm Kentucky and then uh, 
in junior <laughs> college. <laughs> a little reach with John Bailey Zappi. Hey, fourth, fourth round pick. He wasn't a complete and total nobody. I'm not that deep on Bailey Zappi. How many? Uh, how many on the Zoom have done a football game at Western Kentucky? Oh. No, never. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, <laughs> not, not it. 1994. Love uh, it. What is now FCS uh, playoffs? Yeah, on the, uh, the legendary channel 68. Which is, we used to have channels, kids that were like way up in the, you know, hmm. up in the UH. You had to spin a dial back in the day. Yep. Back in the way, way, way back in the last century. But that's why, because you don't hear about Sam House. And that's for the beauty of the preseason, right? Like, who's, there is stuff going on. Who's going to make yeah. this roster? You know, is Noah Vonley gonna gonna be a body here? What can Blake do? I don't know about you guys. I'm I'm struggling because every time I see Blake, and he was on the flight with us today. Every time I see him, the only thing on my mind is Jamie Fox doing Doc on Jimmy. Yeah, talking about Blake. It's not Blake. It's not Blake. It's all. It's literally the only thing I have. You brought that up to him yet? I I haven't. I I haven't talked to him yet because he's. I just got. He was on the flight. See, see, you think of that whenever I think of Blake Griffin. I I think of the Key and Peel sketch with with the substitute teacher saying Balake over and over. Me and you, Balake. That's what I think of every time. (laughs) For better or worse, you guys are on the internet anyway. So YouTube the uh, Jamie Fox on. Oh, it's so good. It's it's just so unbelievable. Good at that. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah. It's so good. Uh, Hauser, for anyone that, you know, has somehow missed it or just doesn't know the numbers, by the way, 36 points, nine of 13 from three in his two preseason games so far. So yeah, it is, uh, it's obviously looked good. It's, it's been fun. And, uh, I like the little, you know, jabbing from Jason Tatum about his, uh, you know, ha- asking if Hauser was a better shooter than him. He's saying, you know, like no way in hell. And he yeah. ought to be sending me a, a thank you card for the fact that he's so sure. wide open and all of that stuff. Chris for not to promote the competition but chris forsberg who's a good friend of this show and his podcast i think earlier today just interviewed sam hauser's mother actually and put a little you know video clip of it online and she was saying that when he was when he was you know little like two three years old you know old enough to you know kind of stand and and shoot a little nerf basketball on a on a toy hoop on his own that was how they punished him whenever it if you know in the rare times he would actually get into trouble you know, it wasn't like go to your room. It was they took basketball away from him. So from the very beginning, Sam Hauser, it's been all about hooping. That's right. Chris needs and Chris needs this because Rob is out. So he yes, needs, right. yeah, very he much. Needs he needs a new binky. And somebody needs a new he, binky. Uh, he needs absolutely. Right. He needs that security blanket. <laughs> now, I, I, Sean, I, I don't know how much contact you've had with Danilo just because he really hasn't been with the team at all, and because he's not familiar maybe with American sports history. And just one of my favorite Bill Belichick quotes of all time. Do you think that Danilo is is knows anything at all of the history of Wally Pip at all? Or no? <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and suggest that he, nope. that he does not. Uh, and I'm going to suggest that most people under the age of us do not know uh, who, who Wally Pip is. Like I listen, I've got my son's about to turn 11, and I've educated him in every possible turn, so he is, so he can, you know. Be a be a fifty year old in an eleven. Yeah, it's important. Have all this information, yeah. but uh, <laughs> you'd be amazed at what people, you know, what people don't know. It's you know, there's a player. Um, we're probably going to see Bryce McGowan's for Charlotte in the preseason game tomorrow night. He was born uh, two weeks after. I remember the Celtics had this uh, horrendous start in 0203 and they went down to Washington the second game of the year and they got crushed on TNT. And it was a year that turned out to be you know. Decent for them in 0203. Bryce, Bryce uh, was not born. We're seeing players in the NBA that were, yeah, I know. So, for perspective, when I first took this job, it was, oh, yeah, I used to watch back in the Larry Bird era. The championship was 14 years ago. So, there are kids in college, college mm-hmm. now, that don't have a great memory of the Celtics championship. So, yeah. And again, that's one of the challenges of if you do radio, doing TV, whatever you're doing is. I'm broadcasting to people who are 80 and 18. So you mm-hmm. have to have all the knowledge, but you can't forget you're increasingly, you're always older than you think you are. And a lot of the stuff, you know, like Wally Pip, when was that? It was in the, that's almost that's 90 yeah. years ago. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, uh, one of the cool things about doing, it's funny, we stay, we stay there with the Celtics now in Detroit. Now that the Pistons are downtown, one of the hotels we stay at is the same hotel I stayed at with the Red Sox when I was doing the Red Sox game. It's in 2013, and it's completely renovated west, but it's the same hotel, and it has a staircase that goes from the lobby to the second floor. 
that the staircase stayed there, even though they did all the renovations around it. That is the staircase that Lou Gehrig fell down in Detroit that led to him not playing that day and ending the 2,130 consecutive. No kidding. Yeah. So you, you, you end up touching history once in a while for paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, baseball. Awesome. Baseball obviously lends itself to that. Yeah. Thank you for not asking me about my first year as a Red Sox season ticket holder. I think I jumped in at the absolute perfect time. <laughs> it worked out really well. Yeah, right. This has been a, a great year of baseball. <laughs> right um, in, really? But yeah, let's know. I I think in in uh in in fairness to you, we will not dissect all things twenty twenty two Red Sox. They were uh, they were a fun last place team, I'll say that for yeah, as fun and, as the last place team can be, I guess. They, they yeah. went well down the stretch, I guess. Um Joe Mazzula, let's talk a little bit about Joe, but not so much the you know, everyone has has gone in depth, including on this show, about Joe the person and his character and and obviously Brad Stevens and what what management thinks of him and his co-coaches and the players that speak so highly of him. So we don't need to go down that road because, um, you know, I, I, unless there's a, a very personal experience you have shared with Joe, then by all means. But I, I don't know that, you know, there's there's a lot to add to it. What's re- what really interests me through the first and we haven't seen a real game yet, but through two games. And just sort of juggling a little bit with everyone getting a turn. Nobody's playing 30 minutes and, and evaluating talent, obviously. Have you seen anything through a couple preseason games that indicates to you what kind of head coach Joe Mazzulla is going to be? Well, I don't think he's going to be a coach that changes a lot of things. I mean, it's unusual. Look at the uh, – talk about the dichotomy of Joe and Will Hardy, right? Two finalists in Utah, both the two youngest coaches now in the league, and – you, it, it feels like Utah is already two and twenty-one. I mean, after watching the top two picks in the draft play against each other and watching yeah. the social media craze here, and Utah being at the top of the list of teams that and do you believe Danny Ainge was misleading earlier in the spring when he was like, "Man, we're not going to trade Donovan." Or go, that's crazy. I can't believe that. <laughs> Weird. Happened. That's so by out of way, character. I mean, he would. He never does that. And why? And, and by the way, like it's under the umbrella. Of, why don't we all be smarter about the information we take in? whether it's on Twitter or social media, wherever it is. Like, did anyone believe Danny? That's what Danny was supposed to say. That's what I was shouting yeah. when Danny retired in the first place. Oh, yeah. And then thought he was going to not then, do all of that. That was. Yeah. Come on. Although he, he just did, went launched, to Utah. As a my guy, Wendy though. Right. Like the, you know, why, why would. Oh man. What a like, legendary, uh, what a legendary team. The, um, oh, it's the uh, great meme of our time. Best. Martin Short. What's the Martin Short? Oh, Jiminy Glenn. Jiminy Glenn. Yeah. Why, why, why would Dan, why would Danny Ainge? Oh, uh, he just put on a clinic that day. Yeah. It was, oh I mean, it was awesome. incredible so, television for so two minutes. It was, it was, it was the absolute best. But, <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, yeah. So, you know, look, look at Will Hardy in Utah and Joe is in a different situation. Joe, even if he had time to come in and reinvent the wheel and put his own personal stamp on it, his team, the team he is taking over had leads in the fourth quarter of game four of the NBA finals to go 3-1. And it's funny, I've even forgotten until I watched the game recently two weeks ago that the Celtics had the lead late in the third quarter of game five. I had forgotten that. But to mm. me, I had there was this amalgam in my mind confusing like game two and game five. I was thinking of them the same way, and they weren't. The Celtics fell behind, had that great third quarter, came back and took the lead. So, And this is a team that was that close to a championship. So how many things are you really going to change? And it's a team that is set up to defend at a ferocious pace and defend the three-point line. And, you know, with the with the Sam Hauser tweak and with a little more shooting, obviously to, to be able to spread the floor and cutting down on the turnovers, you're going to be right there. And now the Celtics have a very strange scenario they're sort of stumbling into of not being underdogs, but because of everything that happened with Eme, because of Gallinari, because of Rob Williams, the Celtics may be the betting favorite. I know you guys are all into that, but no one's really talking about them to the point like I'm, I'm all in. I'm a Philly. I'm a Philly bandwagon guy, which is a great way to get thrown to the windshield, right? Like <laughs> of the Sixers bandwagon, but yeah. I'm there because I can't help it. And I was, you know, I loved Milwaukee all last year. I think the Nets who look terrible in the game they're playing right now. The Nets could win 60. They could win 36. You literally don't know. Um, you know, my, everyone's all excited about Cleveland, all these other teams. You know, there's there's buzz about Toronto. They play like six guys or six, eight. They're going to be different. And so this the spotlight of being the favorite, I think, has vanished from the Celtics. And 
This is a group that is largely the same group in continuity, especially early in seasons. How many times have we seen this? Golden State got off to that great start last year before guys got hurt and things like that. So it's, uh, you know, I, I think that it's almost set up for the Celtics now to surprise some people. And again, if you're Joe Mazzulli, going back to the question, what are you, what are you going to change? So you don't think stylistically, philosophically, and I'm not saying anything should change, obviously, like if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing. But okay. do you think that he is well, a... Let me, let me jump, because here's what... Yeah. He is the guy that wasn't an email guy, right? He was here before. Right. So he wasn't part of that staff, the email staff. Who hired email? Who brought email sure. here? Whose choice yeah. was it? Brad was. So Brad and email, it's not like Brad went out and said, listen, I got to find someone who believes the exact opposite of what I believe, and it's going to change everything. Who I do not see eye to eye with on anything, and I'm going to. So Brad chose Ime. He chose Joe. He. This is all. It isn't like this. Hey, there's the Ime guys over here, mm-hmm. and there's Joe Mazzula here, and there's completely different. It's all. Everybody's. I mean, truthfully, everybody's really on the same page right now. Why wouldn't you be? It's a pretty good page to be on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. When when the news broke, I was a little. I was a little stunned they did it so quickly and, and that Joe was the guy to get to get the bump up. Um, and it's not like everybody on that bench has a ton of NBA experience. You know, I mean, there's a couple of guys there have been assistant coaches, you know, in various stops around the league. And there's, you know, Mighty Mouse, you know, uh, you know, with Pacific and coming That's over. Old. And and I when Joe, and again, I, you know, we, to bring it somewhat, somewhat full circle here, I remember uh, watching Joe Missoula in college. And then as soon as he, like I totally forgot about that whole experience. And then all of a sudden he was named head coach. And then it dawned on me when I'm like, holy, like I definitely watched a bunch of big Monday games with Bob Huggins coaching Joe Missoula and whatever, you know. He was Sean there Butler. for a while. I was with Gary Cohen, the great voice of the Mets and team yeah. voice who's good, a Hall of Fame finalist along with Joe Castiglione. I was talking to him a couple of weeks ago and Joe Missoula came up because he was asking me what's going on with Celtics. I'm like, didn't he play like seven years at West Virginia? Because he yeah. had a redshirt year. So he was there a lot. <laughs> Had a lot of TV time and oh yeah, yeah, no question. But let me let me throw one out here in the interesting discussion, which is Joe is in this spot because he's in this spot, and nobody wanted this to happen the way it happened. What if? Hold on, let me do the windy. What? What if? What? <laughs> maybe what if? What if the path that Joe was on, his trajectory as a finalist for the Utah job? What if he was going to get the next job somewhere, wherever it was? And he was going to become one of the great young coaches in the league and the next Eric Spolstra. And that was going to be his path. But instead, this thing happened. So here he is now. Maybe five years from now, 10 years from now, we're going, oh, yeah, Joe Mazzulla. What an obvious choice that was. Look, <laughs> at, it, look at what he's done. Look at his success. But, of course, here we are. It's happened the way it's happened. So, of course, it looks a lot more uncertain than it, you know, it would have under, under normal circumstances. Nobody's talking about Will Hardy. Well, no, not not, uh, not yet. Yeah, not. Well, I mean, not, and and it won't be viewed as his fault anyway. What happens there in Utah? Right. Obviously, he was he was brought on to to sort of you know exactly the, it's, it's the danger. Same. Will's danger is what happened yeah. with Brad. Brad's first year here when right. Brad wasn't wasn't getting the program here, and he was winning games. Remember that first <laughs> right? Yeah. The, the Celtics yeah, 20, twenty five. Up, you want to talk about entertaining last place teams? That twenty five win team was an entertaining last place team and because they because were they lucky. Won their they games. tried hard. They won their games early in the year. The Celtics yeah. were in first place in mid-late December. They were under 500, but they were in first place. Yeah. In the, in the Atlantic <laughs> division. That was to when, a glorious division. And, that's, and then Toronto, that's when Toronto took off and started their, like, what turned out to be a five-year run, right, whatever, top the division. But, yeah, Brad was, you know, it was just so funny because they were so outmanned. And he would MacGyver together these games. It was unbelievable. And he'd build a lead, and all of a sudden you look up, and it's like, oh, my God, the Celtics are winning. And it's the middle of the second quarter. <laughs> and it was like one of those games where you're watching somebody tied with Alabama in the second quarter, like 10-10, and you know eventually there's too many plays and there's too much skill difference or whatever. And these college football teams win 55-10, to 10, even if you can stay with them for a little while because the games are too long. So just building off of what you were just talking about with Joe and, and sort of him potentially being, you know, that next young thing that – People would like Will Hardy to be at some point, and obviously, you know what Brad was when he got here from Butler, and and what you know we all hope Joe Missoula is is in fact going to be. 
Ime Odoka is not going to be back in Boston. And I don't say that as a question. I say that as a declarative statement. Ime Odoka is not going to be back in Boston. I would be shocked beyond anything else that we've ever talked about on this show if Ime Odoka is, is once again ever patrolling the Boston sidelines. So what does it take for Joe to shed the interim tag, you know, at, even if it's not this year, you know, in the in the offseason a year from now, going into next year, you know, for for him to not get that opportunity for them to, you know, go on an actual search for a new head coach, a, a fourth and four years, exactly how bad does this year have to go for him to not get that opportunity? And I don't believe this will be a bad year, by the way, but I'm just, you know, like worst case scenario where it's, Oh, maybe Joe Missoula is not the guy. Pretty bad. But that, again, the problem is you went to the finals last year. So history says, Forget anything happened in the last month and Emei's coaching here. History says the Celtics weren't going back to the finals because young teams that go to the finals almost always take a step back. Uh, the Bucks didn't get anywhere near the finals because the Celtics took them out. This is what, this is how it happens. A lot of people think that run in Phoenix is over, that their window is closed all of a sudden to win a championship. Mm. Uh, and it's just, you know, the East, as we know, this is nothing revolutionary here that I'm saying, but this is my 25th year in the league, and this is far and away the best the Eastern Conference has ever been. We're going to be good teams to end up in the play-in. There are teams that would be insulted if I said, well, you're going to be in the play-in. What What do you mean we're going to be the, the Atlanta Hawks <laughs> or the Toronto Raptors or whatever? Guess what? Do the math. There's this. There's eight, nine good teams in the Eastern Conference, so some good teams are going to be in the play-in. So that said, uh, you're sort of set up to not have success that way. I think it would have to go bad from an optics standpoint, from a it doesn't look like the players are with what Joe is doing. I mean, I can't. You know, we've all seen scenarios like that, uh, you know, maybe bickering behind the scenes. Listen, if people, if players are unhappy with the coach in 2022, guess what? You're going to hear about it. It's going to leak out because yeah. it always does. And then you're going to have, you know, who knows, you're going to end up like they have in Brooklyn where you have that essentially everything that was said that gets said in a breakup and then they didn't break up. Yeah. And it's like awkward, you know, when everybody's <laughs> back to back together again. So. I think it would have to go. It would have to go pretty badly, and who you know who knows? Listen, we sit here in October, uh, famously or infamously. I did an interview on opening night five years ago, saying what I always say, which is, listen, something major is going to happen five minutes into the season that we don't know is going to change the trajectory. And of course, that <laughs> night, that was the night where it. got hurt. Yeah, yeah, and there's a and the East. All these East teams we're talking about that have a legitimate chance to win the championship. What if something happens to Jason Tatum? What if something happens to Embiid? What if any of these guys slip on a banana peel? What if something happens to Giannis? It doesn't seem possible. It seems like if, you know, like the banana peel would get hurt if like Giannis. <laughs> the point. Something would, something always happens that we can't possibly imagine as we're talking here in early October. That said, you know, on paper, the Celtics look like one of the seven or eight teams that are in that elite category. And I think it would have to go pretty badly askew for Joe not to get a second shot, assuming your declarative statement before, which I will not comment on if that that plays out. Let's take a quick break, tell you about our good friends, good partners here with this show, BetOnline, BetOnline.ag. It's the fastest, easiest way for you to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. You can find reviews and news of every single league. Major League Baseball playoffs begin tomorrow as we sit here now. NFL season's obviously about a quarter of the way in. NBA getting going. NHL, same story. Combat sports, Sean certainly is uh, someone who can talk about those. Esports, golf, you name it. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, futures, casino, you name it. Uh, NBA season is rapidly approaching. The Celtics no longer the favorites to win the championship. They are the favorites to come out of the East to return to the NBA Finals, but the Warriors, the Clippers, they are right there in the mix in terms of winning the title. The Celtics over-under for wins is 53.5, which is a number that makes an awful lot of sense. Some NBA uh, specials Evan was looking up earlier on the website. Uh, when will LeBron break Kareem's all-time scoring record before or after February 1st? That's where that line stands right now. What do you think about that one, Sean? Well, as uh, listeners would know, I've already thrown this out for the fun of it, so you can look back in October. But you're talking about February 1st, which is a decent marker, right, to aim if you're going to aim a target, if you're going to do an Evan Valenti bow and arrow and shoot at it a date. February 1st is a good date to shoot it at. Uh, guess where the Lakers play the game before that? On January 28th, they play at Toronto Dominion Garden on Causeway Street. 
And it's my birthday, you know I'll have you know. And, and of course, it being your birthday, why wouldn't LeBron want to uh, rub it in? Yeah. LeBron can't do it in L.A., you know he's going to want to do it somewhere historical. And to me, Boston's the perfect place. And if you don't think players have some control of that, I'd have you look back, where are we now, 11 years, 12 years ago, to Ray Allen. We yeah. always remember him breaking the three-point record against the Lakers on TNT at home in front of Reggie Miller. The night before, we were in Charlotte on a league pass Wednesday night, whatever, the game before. You know, league, it was a league pass Wednesday night. Yeah, it was a league pass night, right, in Charlotte. And Ray missed shots that he usually makes in his sleep that night. And as it was going on, I'm like, are you are we you watching this, Max? Like, he's missing <laughs> shot after shot. And then remarkably, he was one short. He stayed one short. He didn't break the record on league pass on a Tuesday night in Charlotte. Saved it for Reggie. He saved it for Reggie. <laughs> I guarantee. Listen, Ray would never – I'm sure he'd never admit that, but I, I will take that one to the grave. I guarantee you that's what happened. Do I get the Grandy and Max seats for my uh, for, for my birthday that night at the Garden? Not not the actual broadcast seats, but just somewhere in the crowd. No, I don't want I don't want that one. Just somewhere in the yeah, just just somewhere in the TD Garden crowd. The Grandy and Max seats, or you're watching off the uh, monitor. Watching off the monitor. There's a. Uh, it's not. I don't think it was out. I didn't. I have it, and maybe one day I'll put it out. The call. I got a little attention for the call at the end of Game One last year when Tatum hit the lay up and beat the nets whatever yeah because they had some issues on tv with the, with the call which was actually that van Gun- they were distracting mike by saying that basket didn't count like people were waving it doesn't matter uh there's video of maximum there's video that exists the nba shot that you see you see that with announcers right they usually use it to announcers who go crazy when they oh my god something wild happened whatever um and it's when you watch it it's you see my eyes darting around because we didn't have a live feed that day because it was an ABC game, it doesn't really matter. It's the you know game of the game, but you see my eyes darting around trying to figure out something's about to happen. What is going to be the least damaging view? And there's a moment in that call where I say I'm counting down the play, and this happened X Y Z nine seconds ago, and I call two more things, and then I say eight seconds left, and that's because I had shifted my eyes back for a second over to the monitor and said. You know, as doing the clock, I said eight seconds, and I realized in my head that was I, the TV. That has to be delayed because I said nine seconds three three seconds ago. Yeah. So I quickly shifted my eyes back to the what I could see of the live action over the bench, the guys on the bench standing up. But it's just a funny, you know, normally on those shots you don't see somebody whose eyes are darting around like he's under questioning, you know, about something like yeah, I don't, I don't know what happened. In that. We're gonna have to get you a better seat. Oh, we've been oh, doing sure. this on this podcast for years. Yeah, I know. I, could, I, I again, you know my standard line. We, in 2008, Celtics haven't won the championship since they moved us. Yeah, uh, we were courtside in 2008, <laughs> and I think what happened after Mar- when Maris broke the home run record, what did they do? They raised the mound. Yeah, to make it impossible for guys to hit home runs again. So I, I assumed that putting me in the corner where I couldn't, you know see the game was, <laughs> i had done it too well just trying to make trying it an to, extra oh, yeah, challenge let's see if he can call the game without seeing let's see how good he is then hey speaking of what and i'll, I'll finish for our good friends at bet online our our read in a second here but while while i was perusing the bet online website while we were talking and and receiving Do they text, have uh, how many games i'm gonna end up doing on tv i week? was just gonna bring that up i was gonna say you know the can you how, how many there? Like like mine, Sean. What your uh, how many TV games did you do filling in for Mike last year? It was a handful. It was five or six. The fun part, the funny part about the games I did with Scout last year, is that the Celtics led by at least twenty two in the second half of every game we did, because we did the games at Detroit and Orlando in February, and then we did that West Coast trip with the Golden State game, which is a yeah. game that I, I put too much stock in before the finals, certainly. Uh, Golden State, Sacramento, the Denver game, which was it was comedic because Denver was a good team and the Celtics just beat them senseless. And I had that thing that I I don't forget what I said about you know the Celtics go go to your hotels and they'll eat your food and they'll do whatever and they just and just leave with a win because they were just marauding at that point. But we didn't like Scal and I didn't touch a close game last year, so it was a handful over the last few years, but. Obviously so, all right. So let's call it five last year. So if bet online, if, if we were to invent a number, let's say bet online's website has the over under for TV mm. games for Sean Grandy this year set at seven, 
seven and a half because you got to have halves. Would, would that be an appropriate line? What? How, how no, do you? What do you think? No, I wouldn't. Uh, you're going to lose money on that one. <laughs> that seven, yeah. I don't know what the actual. I mean, it's kind of crazy because we're going into the season. I don't know, but I imagine it's going to be somewhere in the twenties. Um, but all right, you heard it here first, folks. Game. Somewhere in the twenties. This I mean, guy sliding over to television. Bet, listen, if you see seven on bet online, I would bet the over. <laughs> Take that number and pound yeah. it. Yeah. I'm just put my mortgage on it. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, honestly. Well, poor yeah, Matt. I, I think we have not to having you for a quarter of the season. We just lost Dennis Eckersley, right? Uh, as you know, one of the greats of all time. And I think, of course. Eck, check me on this. My feeling is that Eck, who's always been great, didn't get the same appreciation for it because he was following Jerry Remy. And so Eck was that other, he was that other guy to me. Like people didn't maybe appreciate how good he was when, because Jerry Remy was there and he was such a big presence. And well, I think we were so we all spoiled by having the two of them together. I, I think that's, period. And that's certainly yeah. fair too. Anyway, yeah. point being, let's not, let's enjoy these Mike Gorman games this year and next year or whatever, because Things are, you know, Grandy and Mac, Mike and Tommy doesn't last forever, right? Grandy and Max doesn't last forever. We're obviously closer to the end of it than we are to the beginning. So let's, you know, I, my personal hope is that Mike does whatever he wants to do, and I, I think that's the way this is gonna, this is gonna sort of play out. I just hope he listen. If it was up to me, Mike would just he lives across the street. <laughs> He's doing home games forever, but. Mike's got another thing. He talked, he talked the other night. Uh, I'm not talking out of school because I know he talked to the telecast the other night about um, becoming grandfather this summer. And mm-hmm. spending time with his, you know, his daughter, Kristen, who we all know and love. And it's just a, you know, an amazing time to be Mike. So I hope we all appreciate the time that he has left to give us. Agree. Totally agree with all of that. And uh, he's, a, he's a favorite on this show as well. And hopefully we'll get him on at some point. Or multiple times, even this season, because he is very uh, not unlike yourself, gracious with his time and a pleasure to talk to. And uh, and and yeah, we're not wishing time away either, but we are happy that uh, at least if he is not there, not traveling, not doing whatever, and spending his time doing something else, that uh, that you will be the one sliding in. That's something to look forward to for everybody out there listening. No doubt about it. Russell, I didn't even know these, these games were televised. Who knew? But apparently yeah, they're also figure. on television as well. So just want to point out, we're also happy with BetOnline.ag. Yeah, hooking us up on this podcast. That's right. Yeah, and, and put that line out there. Head to betonline.ag uh, today. Use your mobile device to join today. Make your first sports bet. Use the promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Uh, let's uh, find a way to get back to basketball and get back to strategy. And uh, one thing that has gotten, I think, a little lost Sean, not not lost in, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've talked about it plenty on the radio and it's not like people are unaware, but lost a little bit in the conversation uh, with with everything else that has happened on the sidelines. And then the just the the immediacy of, oh, my God, Sam Hauser. People aren't really talking about not having Rob Williams for the first half of this year right now. And what is the approach going to be? Is it going to be all the small ball that we're expecting? Are we going to see, you know, Grant getting more minutes, uh, you know, even potentially starting games at the five are, are, you know, Al Horford, are they going to be able to manage his minutes in the way they would still like to and go small? I had our friend Mark Murphy, the recently retired Mark Murphy, uh, texted me the other day and just said, you know, I've been thinking, what about starting Blake Griffin at the five? Cause Lord knows, obviously he, you know, takes charges and, and, uh, you know, is, is, is aggressive in the middle just to experiment it and see what it would look like. You know, what, what are your thoughts on what, how this is going to go during the time that we don't have Rob. Well, the nice thing is that you got different options that you're going to try. I think it'll be different night tonight. There are teams like Toronto that play in Pascal Siakam at center. Uh, and you're, you're playing a team in Charlotte that doesn't have a dominant center, obviously, in Plumlee. So it looks, it's all well and good. It's all fun and games till opening night, right? <laughs> and then, yeah. and then guess who's coming to dinner. So <laughs> it's going to be a, a night tonight thing. I think I, I'm not calling Rob Williams the MVP of the team last year, but. Anyone that's listened to us knows I talked about this quite a bit that the Celtics season was three acts last year. You had the first 20, 40 some odd games and under 500, this and that, wherever you want to call that dividing line, you call it. But for the nine, 10 weeks after that, the Celtics were not just the best team in the NBA. It wasn't even close. They, it was not close. They were the runaway best team, championship caliber team. Nobody, I don't know who was second, but it wasn't close. 
the night that the Celtics completed the run from 11th place to first in the Eastern Conference was the night that Rob Williams got hurt, the Sunday night game against Minnesota. And from that point on to the end of the finals, for those 12 weeks, the Celtics were good. They were really good. They had iconic moments and game seven victories, and they were one of the best teams in the league. But they weren't dominant without Rob Williams. They were really, really good, but not dominant. So to me, it is a vital, the most important part right now, face, thing facing the Celtics right now, is get Rob healthy. And I don't care if it's February 1st. It won't be, I don't think. But I don't care. Get Rob Williams healthy because that's your your chance to be the dominant team you saw last year is having Rob Williams healthy. And to me, get there without – I do not want to see Al Horford play at 2,200 minutes again. It's just it, – it, it, you don't want that at 36. He's not coming off a bye year in mm-hmm. OKC. He's coming off a year in which he helped lead his team to the final. Totally. Yeah. And it's just with Rob, the, the, the explosiveness uh, on both ends of the floor, the way he changes the geometry offensively with, you know, the fact that he can just dive to the basket, throw up in the air, doesn't matter where it is, and he'll just go up and get it. And then his roaming is like a free safety on defense changes so many things. It's It's – Again, if you, unless you really watched the, and watched the difference, again, that switch from making him, you know, guard opposing fives to guarding the guy in the corner, being able to just kind of muck things up in the middle of the defense was a ginormous change. And again, they were just blowing teams out. I mean, I, again, I go back to the game they played the Utah and we actually had Gorman on shortly after that. And I was mm-hmm. like, have you ever seen a, a better start to a game than that game? Cause I don't think I've seen one. I mean, it was the game was over after the first quarter and halftime. I think they were up like twenty or thirty, and it was like they're on a different planet than Utah was. And Kevin, they, they, that game, the Utah, these are the good Western Conference teams. Those two games you're talking about came right after that West Coast trip that I just referenced, where I did the TV with Scout. Yeah, where the game they got they got tired of that OKC game, and the Thunder had one of those fool's gold comebacks, and they cut it from like thirty to nine right at the end of the game. Uh, but that series of games was absurd that the the degree I mean I tweeted the numbers a million times you can go back and look at them but that 20 30 that 30 game stretch was better than the 27 and 2 to start the title defense year was better than the 29 and 3 to start the championship year it was as dominant as any Celtic team had ever been plus the fact that was the best road team the Celtics have ever had right. mm-hmm. which carried over right what so so we you talk about managing health and managing minutes and all those things Where's the sweet spot in terms of, yeah, like the regular season is going to be what it is. Obviously, we need to take it seriously. But at the end of the day, we got to get into May, got to get into June. We need to be healthy as a unit. And you're going to sacrifice some wins and games to get there. How much do you sacrifice? Because you look at, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, regular season doesn't matter. I'm like, yeah, well, it would be nice to play at home. I mean, I, they don't have to, they don't have to win the most games in the Eastern conference, but like to have home court advantage until the Eastern conference finals would be nice. I'm not saying, you know, go all out to try and accomplish that, but at the same time, people, it's, I feel like some people are like, eh, it's regular season. Who cares anyway? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I'd rather not go on the road three straight series and try to go to the NBA finals. Anyway. You just said you want to eat home court advantage until the conference finals, which to me says you got to be a two seed, right? Be a two seed in the Eastern conference. That's going to be, I mean, that's 55, 56 tough wins in a really tough conference with all those competitive teams and very few easy nights. Because, by the way, Detroit's got Cunningham and Ivy and Bogdanovich. There are no easy nights. By the way, everyone is, and I'm sure the Pacers will make the trade, right? They'll make a trade at some point. But right now, that's Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, Halliburton, and it's the team that everybody is universally calling the worst team in the NBA and the worst in the Eastern Conference. And they've still got, Real players, and by the way, they bludgeon. I'm not sure Charlotte's not the worst team in the Eastern Conference, by the way, if they don't get Bridges back. But they, Indiana bludgeons Charlotte the other night, preseason, all the, you know, all this stuff, the, the precursory stuff. It's going to be very difficult to do it. And to your point, you got to stay top four and say, oh, top four, that's no problem. Really? Because I just named Philadelphia, Milwaukee. You got to stay ahead. All right, Philadelphia and Milwaukee and say Brooklyn. That's three right there. That means the Celtics have to stay ahead of. Miami, the Cleveland Cavaliers that everybody loves, Toronto, like to make just to guarantee you finishing fourth, you're going to have to finish ahead of, you know, Miami and good teams. So that to me is the story of the season. Yeah, the NBA is deeper than it's ever been. 
But the Eastern Conference is absurd. And to your point about home court advantage, I've been saying this for years. It has not yet come to fruition. But I'm going to say it again this year because this will be the year. It's been 25 years since an Eastern Conference team won 50 games and did not open the playoffs at home. Hmm. That streak is going to end on April 15th. I mean, it has to. There's just too many good teams. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, we haven't really talked about him at all. We've seen in two preseason games, you know, nine assists per in limited minutes, you know, 20 plus minutes per game, but he hasn't hit 30. He's, uh, you know, really, it just seems like the outside of the, the relentless attack and defensive prowess, you know, just the, the playmaker, quite frankly, that everyone was looking for in the NBA finals. And that's what we were all screaming for at the time and thrilled about when Brad made this trade, a trade that looks like, and and a complete and total steal provided Malcolm Brogdon actually stays on the floor, which has been a problem, obviously, throughout his entire career. If he can stay healthy, and I don't even care how many games he plays. You know, he doesn't need to play 70 games. He can play 50 games for all I care if he's healthy come the postseason, obviously. That is the most important thing. Has he fit in even better than you expected? Is this what you expected? What What have you taken away from his first couple of games? Well, it's 12 days and two preseason games, but of course, and I, I do expect it because Brogdon's a guy that Max and I have always been, we've always had a player crush on him. He's always killed the Celtics. He just, it's an easy cliche and a uh, one that you sort of use, you throw it away, but he knows how to play. Mm-hmm. And he fits in with this group. If anything, he's been too unselfish to me. And I think he's too, you know, he's been the, he was the guy in Indiana. So he had to do all the things we're talking about him doing on this team and be the primary scorer. Now that's the last thing he has to worry about. So it's, you know, figuring out a new role, but that of things to worry about. I would say Brogdon finding that sweet spot as to what his role is. I put that up there with Jason Tatum's slow shooting start in the first two games as things I could not be any less concerned about. <laughs> well, you've seen that meme, Sean, of the calendar year. And like Tatum is, you know, uh, we all have questions about whether he's good or not. And then it's like all of a sudden he heats up here. And then by the time we hit like March, April, it's like, holy shit, like this is insane. So, you know, I don't know if you've seen that, but it tends to track every year. We seem to be in that same spot where like, oh, man, you know, Tatum's in a rough funk. But then you hit 2023, he'll turn it on. He'll hit the all-star break. And then all of a sudden for like the last two months, he'll be all NBA, you know, first team and just just went to floor with everybody. And if you watch the other dude in the finals and you watch the other dude for the first two games, maybe someone doesn't want to beat Robin. And you have two Batmans. I do this out. I do this out as a Spider-Man doppelganger thing. Yeah, that two Batmans. Yeah. I do this out as a joke, but like considering what we've seen so far, and I know it's two preseason games and overreactions are ridiculous at this point. But we I, have to react to. I mean – it, it it would be ludicrous. I honestly, I think that's because there's just too many good guards in the league, but like, I don't know. Jalen looks possessed <laughs> through two games. And, and I, and I just questioned you know, both uh, Adam and a friend of ours. I just threw the question out there is, is Jalen going to make all NBA this year? Cause he just looks like he's on a mission right now. And, and listen, that's going to require all NBA MVP votes and stuff like that. They require regular season success. And finishing mm-hmm. high in the league. Or, you know, my guy, Bill Simmons, they were talking the other day about could Jokic win a third straight MVP? And it seems impossible because nobody wants to vote for the guy, right? Three years in a row. But Denver is going to be better. They're going to be better this year. They could be the number one seed in the Western Conference. So what if Denver finishes number one in the West? What if they finish with the best record in the NBA, which was even better than he was last year? So, I mean, I'm sure he won't win three in a row, but it's very possible. It's just... Listen, if you're a basketball fan, if you're an NBA fan, know that you're in a golden era right now. And the downside of that is there are going to be some really good teams that don't sniff the second round. You, uh, you know, we're, we're, we've been at it for a little while. So we'll wrap this thing up. But I'll, I'll ask you this one last question before we let you go, which is, you know, we've mentioned Ime Odoka multiple times at this point. So far, so good. But, hey, it's been two preseason games, so none of this really matters. My question is, 
is that story because people are still talking about it. Like, you know, not, not, and I don't mean water cooler. I mean, like there are still reports. There's still stories being written. You still have people like Matt Barnes commenting. You still have Sham Sharania going on the Pat McAfee show and not really saying anything about it. It's still a talking point. Is this going to be a distraction in any way, shape or form for these players and Joe Missoula here this season? Or is this something that just sort of drifts into the background and, and gets ignored? It would be, unrealistic it'd be condescending for me to suggest that it's not and because things are going to come out because that's the way of the world and they'll probably the the, you know the murphy's law they'll come out at the worst possible time but Hmm. there is what if as you said earlier if there's going to be a separation right at some point just could that happen during the season is that going to be a year from now there's too many things we don't know so chances are People were up in arms because they didn't have all this information. Well, first of all, the Celtics were legally and ethically obligated to not share the information. The Celtics, did, I mean, they were right all across the board here. No matter, people just lost their mind because they wanted the information. That said, information gets out. You think um, uh, Golden State wanted to read about Draymond Green punching Jordan Poole <laughs> in practice? How did that get out? It just got out. This isn't the old days. Stuff gets out. So, I mean, I think realistically, I don't think it's going to be a distraction except for when the next wave of things come out. And what if the Celtics are in a three-game losing streak or something when that happens? And you don't – there's just too many things you don't control. So, But I am a very much of the belief that the players in the room here have are focused on the task at hand and that there's going to be a lot of outside forces that want information or are going to be digging for it. But – you know, I think these guys are used to living with distractions and the, and the things that come up. It's the it's the way of the world. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll call it a show there. There's, uh, you know, still preseason games to be played. And obviously the regular season is right around the corner. Right? You know, as we sit here now, it's it's what a, a week and change away. So terrific. It's it's we approaching. Yeah, approaching. We're excited, looking forward to it, and uh, appreciate everyone for following along and being with us throughout the beginning of a brand new season, obviously. And uh, it, it's going to be, you know, hopefully for more better reasons than not, a very interesting one. We, uh, you know, Evan Valenti, thank you, as always, for what you do both on camera and behind the scenes. Sean Grandy, who, uh, yeah, making making the gestures. He, he tested me a, a very unflattering photo of me talking during this show while we were doing this show. Making the point that, yeah. <laughs> that I talk too much or that, that I look stupid when I do it? Both. <laughs> hey, you listen, look, before, let me know if that over under if the that over under when we do TV and if that sites. shows up on Bet Online. Who's that? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think you would ethically be allowed to bet on that. No, we'll do but, it. Uh, channel, but so. do it but I channel. but I would <laughs> and, and and will. All right, thanks everybody. We'll uh, we'll catch you next time. See you later. <laughs>